You're listening to the Do the Damn Thing podcast with Liz Heron, episode 39. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Do the Damn Thing podcast. My name is Liz Heron, and I am your personal cheerleader, helping you get off your butt and on your way to trying something new, facing your fears, or realizing your dreams. No matter what your damn thing is, whether it's asking for a raise at work, organizing your house, getting out of that toxic relationship, or pursuing your passion project, this show will provide you with real-world, tangible tips and inspiration so you can live the life you deserve. If you're ready to do the damn thing, then you have come to the right place. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now let's jump in. Well, hello, friend. I am really excited to share my interview with Alisa Coton from theworldtraveled.com today. Um, solo traveling is something that has been on my list of dreams for a while now. Um But I admit, I get nervous at the idea of traveling alone. Um, And my conversation with Elisa has really turned all of my nervousness into excitement. So if you've ever wanted to take a solo trip, this is the show for you. But first, I want to take a minute to acknowledge some big news. Today is a very special day for this show. This week, Do the Damn Thing hit 10,000 downloads. I'm still freaking out a bit about it. <laughs> I'm in a little bit of shock and also feeling like, duh, of course that was going to happen. You see, 10,000 was the number I have had in my head since I started this show. I write it down almost daily, right? I write down, do the damn thing has 10,000 downloads over and over. I don't know how many times I have written that down in the last year. Um, and it got to the point where I knew, I knew it was inevitable, I had no idea when or how long it would take or what episode would put us over the edge. I just knew it was happening. And here we are. So it's so exciting. So a big, huge, ginormous thank you to you for listening, for leaving reviews, for sharing the show with your friends, your roommates, your cousins, your sisters, your neighbors. It means the world to me that what I love to do is resonating with all of you. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you. Speaking of you, my awesome listeners, how about a listener shout out? This week's shout out is from Lindsay Miller 3, and the title of their review is Great Source of Education. They write, I really enjoy the host, the guests, and of course the show itself. Engaging, inspiring, and educational are just a few of the words I've used to describe this podcast. Liz does a great job of cutting through the clutter and getting to what matters. Thank you, Lindsay Miller 3. I'm so glad that you're enjoying the show and getting something useful from it. So if you want to hear your name and review on a future episode, be sure to head to iTunes and leave me a review. It's a great way to help other people find the show. So, um, oh, one last thing before we jump into today's episode. I'm doing something new this year that I think you might like. So as you know, I love podcasts and I love discovering new shows. You're you're listening to this podcast. So I'm going to go out on a limb, call me crazy and say that you like podcasts too. So starting this week, I'm going to be featuring a promo from a female hosted or produced show at the end of my show. I hope you'll give it a listen and check them out. Now let's jump into my conversation with Elisa Coton of theworldtraveled.com. Hi, Elisa. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Liz, thank you so much. It's an (laughs) honor to be here with you. I'm so excited about this topic. I, um, I'm you and I met at a uh, Tuesdays together event, we right? Did. Is that, is it two, yeah, Tuesdays together. And what I love about this is we had to go around the room and talk about something that wasn't our business, right? So we, because, <laughs> and you stood up and you said that you were a solo traveler, and I immediately, which has nothing to do with your business, correct? Correct. Yeah. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, I'm having her on my show. <laughs> like, I, have, I love that. <laughs> I was like, I have so many questions about solo traveling. So before we jump into my myriad of questions, yes. um, why don't you give us a little bit of background? Like, I mean, tell us what you do in your, as your job and then right. um, just a little bit. Yeah. So I am an event planner and it, I have a degree in psychology and I have one in accounting and don't use either. Well, psychology <laughs> helps with, with brides a bit. With event planning, I bet, yeah. <laughs> but I grew into the uh, event planning very organically. I was starting to do some marathons for a team in training, which is Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Mm-hmm. 
and needed to raise money. And I threw a few parties and worked out this deal at a hotel that I keep the door, they keep the bar and it was a good partnership and we kept it going. And uh, I ended up getting written up in the uh, LA Business Journal as an entrepreneur for doing this and ended up getting my first job in the event industry because of it. I love that you were labeled as an entrepreneur before you even had your first job. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Like, Unfortunately, I don't think I did enough with it. I didn't really take advantage of it back then, but I it was exciting. And I certainly threw the parties for several years and kept raising money for charity. Even once I was in the industry, I still do. I do a lot of volunteer work with different uh, organizations. And my first, uh, again, not dealing with my work, I did took my first trip in my 20s and kind of got a feel for it. And I guess, well, I'll let you ask more questions. But that I think is going to be our topic today, which is all about yeah. my solo travel. So you said you started in your 20s. So like what spurred your first solo trip? So it was actually a tragedy that led me to my first trip. I had a brother that had been living in England and my sister had passed away when she was 29. I was 22. And I thought, you know, I haven't been out of the country and not that I, nobody in my family travels, but since he lived there, uh, I thought I would go visit my brother and I called, I guess it was a travel agent and I'm thinking, you know, I'll go for a week or whatever. And this woman on the phone spoke of youth hostels and Eurail passes and um, discounts before you're 26 and backpacks. And I was pretty clueless and I thought it all sounded pretty exciting. And I booked a two month return, uh, not having any idea what I was doing. And I left a few weeks later. So I took my first solo trip when I was 22. Oh, wow. And <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about traveling without having an idea, I was carrying <laughs> these big 16 ounce bottles of shampoo and conditioner in my backpack. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I thought that they don't sell um, shampoo in Europe, but um, <laughs> so my first night I left England after being with my brother for a week and I had flown to Spain and started my backpacking journey. And my first night in the hostel, I was crying. My back was breaking. I left everything in that room and, you know, started off as a real backpacker that night. So it was pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, I guess you learn pretty quickly, like what you need, yes, you right? <laughs> You're like, it's more you learn what you don't need. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So I, I really set off on a journey that I, I really didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. And I think, you know, at 22, you're having fun and you're just going like one train to the next. And it's different than the travel I do now, but it certainly set me off on my path and I liked it. I know I wouldn't say that I absolutely fell in love with it. That didn't come until a few years later when I did, took my second trip uh, and that was actually get another tragedy. It was after the 94 earthquake in Northridge. Mm -hmm. And I was a manager at the time at Bullock's, which it's not Bullock's anymore. It's Macy's. Uh, and the store fell into the ground. And oh, so yeah. I was displaced and took all the money from the insurance company, from uh, all the broken Yadro and Bakker and all the things I had collected over the years. Uh I took all of that and went on my second trip to Indonesia. Oh, wow. And so what made you fall in love with solo traveling on that trip? I, I st yeah, that's where I was like really getting my passion and flair for it. I definitely liked it more than my, than my Europe trip. And uh, I went to Hong Kong, Singapore and Indonesia. And the first trip I'd gone to 10 different countries just to note. In oh, Europe. wow. So I got around for two months. Yeah, I spent some time in you know, a lot of major cities. And the second one in Indonesia, which is definitely where I had gone, was more third world. And I really got a feel for that. And then it was my third trip, which was the most anticipated that actually set me off on a path of this was going to be my life. And that was Africa. And I knew that that was the dream to go to Africa. And I wanted to go on safari. And I wanted to go to Egypt and I wanted to go to uh, Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. And yet again, it was another tragedy that spawned my third trip. 
my mother was dying and on her deathbed, she said to me, honey, I know in, in one month you're going to be on a plane to Africa. And I said, no, no, it's going to take me longer than that to do all the paperwork. I'll be, you know, I'll leave in a few months. And, you know, we teased about it, but it was true. And in less than three months, I was on the plane and I went to Africa and I spent two months starting in Egypt going on safari for three and a half weeks in Kenya and Tanzania. And then I was whitewater rafting the Zambezi River in Zimbabwe. Oh my gosh. And that really was the one, like it, it with each of those first three trips, I, I was learning what my niche was going to be. Like I was learning where I was geared, you know, what I was geared for it. It was adventure, solo travel mm-hmm. and mostly third world. So uh, also, that third trip, <laughs> quite the little tragedy. I ended up with cholera oh my in God. Zimbabwe and almost died on that trip. So, uh, yeah, I've had a, quite a few different um, incidences uh, over the years, but uh, I fell in love with it. I was very well taken care of in Zimbabwe by staff there. And uh, that was it. Africa became my favorite continent. And uh, since then, I've, you know, now seen over 80 countries on all seven continents. Oh, wow. And how many times have you been back to Africa? Uh, oh, goodness. Well, I've been to 15 different countries now in Africa. So I've seen part of the north, uh, six countries in the west, down in the south, as well as over in the east. So I love Ethiopia and I, Uganda is definitely one of my favorite countries. So I've been several times. Yeah. And so do you usually take longer trips or, you know, like kind of it sounds like you've been you go away for like two months. Yeah, I would say a lot of my trips have been longer than what most people would consider vacations. So I would either quit jobs, go away, come back, start over and do it again. Hmm. Uh, or I would just get long leaves of absence uh, from a variety of the jobs that I've had and try and make them extended. Uh, when I went to the South Pacific, uh, I spent some time in, I, I did a six and a half month trip. Oh, wow. And that was through Australia, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, and Fiji. Uh, and a lot of my spent a month in Turkey and a couple of months in India. So a lot of them have been uh, longer trips for sure. Yeah. It, I, you can't immerse if you're not there for a while. And I don't go as a typical tourist since I'm alone. And often I'll hire just a driver mm. to take me where I actually want to go because I do so much research. So uh, I'll have someone take me to further... Uh, destinations or remote locations so I can really meet the people and villagers. Oh, let's talk a little bit about the research you do before you go on a trip. Sure. So uh, I'm actually working on one now. And it's very funny because I've actually thought of podcasting myself or um, recording or, you know, YouTubing how I actually plan a trip. Oh, my gosh. I would watch. I would listen to that. I would watch that. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I get asked it a lot. And I was like, you know, I should have a camera behind me facing my computer screen so people see what my, you know, my process is. So um, I have like, I guess, a list like many people have their wish list of where they want to go. And right now I'm looking into Central Asia. So I want to go to the five stands, uh, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan. Mm -hmm. And I want to go to Mongolia. So I'm looking at the, uh, the Silk Road. And so when I started doing my reason, I've looked into it many years, but I really started more recently because I want to plan it for May. And I'll take a destination and sometimes it might start with a photo and I'll pull it up and I'll just start looking around different, whether it's social media, TripAdvisor, or just Google searches. And I'll look at photos for each destination. I'll see, am I connecting with what I'm seeing? Do they have water? Do they have adventure? Do they have mountain? You know, what is it that I want to get? Is there history that I'm trying to explore, et cetera? So I start with photos. And then I'll pull up time of year to go mm-hmm. because that's going to be really important in my process of, you know, am I available at that time to be able to go and how long am I going to need? I'll start looking at flight times. How long is it going to take to get to each destination? What's going to be the best route to get from country to country if it's going to be buses, trains, cars, or flights? Uh, because I want to be able to plan how much time is it actually going to take? I will look up tour groups to see if any of the destinations I may not want to go on my own. I may not have the time to, when I travel alone, it's going to take me longer 
to do each destination, each location, as opposed to a tour that takes you to the like hot spots of each trip. Mm -hmm. So I think they're faster. So if I don't have enough time, I might take a tour. I have done a few tours before. I did a wonderful tour of Israel uh, and then spent some time additional on my own pre and post tour. So these are all the things I'm looking into. Once I kind of get an idea that this is going to work, I want to go. Now I look a little more in depth about exactly what is it that I want to get out of it. And this is where I'll start going to different tour companies. This is going to get me in a lot of trouble. So (laughs) (laughs) So I go to different tour companies and I look up itineraries. Oh, that's really smart. And I actually see where are they going and what order are they going in? Because when I look at my my map and I'm using, let's say, Google Earth or any of the sites that give me, you know, I can map out destination to destination. I can think I know what order it is, but I don't know the actual roads. So what may look closer A to B may be much more difficult than going A to C, backtracking to B and moving on. So I'll put things in the right order. So tour groups actually give me that a lot of that good information. So I'll look at different companies. Some are adventurers, some are uh, based, you know, more on uh, like an older guest. Mm-hmm. And I'll put them all together and I pick what I want to do. Then I'll look into, because I like villages, kids and schools. And that's something that I, and orphanages, this is something I try and do with all of my trips. And I will start looking at those and where those are not going to be, let's say, listed on tour company itineraries. I can Google them and say, oh, there's this really cool village or there's this very cool um, group or uh, tribe that I want to go see. And they're this far away. It looks like I could go from here to there and I'll kind of put it in order. Then I will send it to local companies that I'll find by Google searching and I will send them what I've put together and I'll say, I'm looking to have a driver. I want to do this on my own. Please go ahead and bid on it and put it in the right order. Mm, Okay. That's good that you, then you get the help from them as far as what they think is. I do. And based on what they send me, I can tell their communication skills, if they're understanding my needs, if they're prompt, And then I'll kind of narrow it down to one or two of the companies. And then I'll call and I'll say, hey, is it possible maybe to talk to the driver, like to make sure the driver and I would get on really well. And then I'll go ahead and book them. And you mentioned something that I want to touch on about like the orphanage and and villages and stuff. Do you, and Mm. I, I kind of read on your site that you, you do kind of incorporate some charity within these trips. Do you, is that important to you? So when I'm traveling, trying to give back is always important to me and I try and do what I can when I'm on the road. So uh, last year I volunteered in an orphanage for a month in Uganda, uh, which I really loved. That was an amazing experience. I also volunteered to be the photographer for a medical mission in Gulu, Northern Uganda. Uh, I've never done anything like that in my life. <laughs> the um, there were doctors flown in from all across the U.S. volunteering their time along with nurses and different professions in the medical field. And uh, the team saw almost 5,000 patients in five days. Oh, wow. And uh, the photos I have from that experience are amazing. And uh, so nothing is more rewarding than that. Yeah. And then I add time at the, like I said, beginning and end. And that's where I get to go off and do my own thing. One of the things that I love to do when I travel is cultural festivals are very important to me. So I get a lot out of that. So the biggest ones that I've been to would be the Mahakumela in India, which is the largest Hindu festival in the world. And the year that I went was 2001. It was a very auspicious year where the planets were in special straight alignment, which only happens once every 144th year. Oh, wow. And so when I went to, it was held in Allahabad, it switches off every, oh, I want to say seven years. I hope I'm right about that. It's in four different locations in India. It's normally called the Kumela, but I went to the Mahakumela and specifically planned my two month trip to India because of this one, you know, this festival, there were 12 million people at the Ganges the day that I was there for the festival. So it was an amazing sea of color with 
people basking their camels and cows in the sand and cooking their pancakes in clay pots in the sand and naked sadhus and holy men roaming and snake charmers, a cobra snake charmers roaming in the sand. I have a picture of me next to this king cobra and, and it was uh, truly magnificent. And then uh, I went to the Mali Desert Festival <laughs> which if you're a music enthusiast is a must in anyone's life. You, the year that I went, there were threats of kidnapping to Westerners and it's normally held outside of Timbuktu in Mali. But the year that I went, uh, because of the threat, they actually held the festival on the sand dunes in Timbuktu. So I slept in tents oh, wow. in the sand dunes in Timbuktu <laughs> night after night with music 24 hours a day on a stage with musicians from all over Africa and the world, uh, men in, on camels and camel races and like, you know, truly amazing festival. One of, one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, so volunteering and orphanages, I've gone to schools. Um, I try and incorporate school visits to almost every trip I go on. I've been fortunate to go in places that are normally not allowed by the government. When I was in Bhutan, I specifically told the company that I chose, which was a brand new company. I was, I think, one of the first <laughs> clients they ever had that visiting a school was something I had to do. And they got me permission to do it. And I went to a class a couple of days and the children sang for me and I sang for them. And I got to watch them doing their schoolwork. And Bhutan is one of the countries or schools that I'll never forget because surrounding their classroom on the walls were every motivational saying you could possibly imagine of love and faith and trust and honor and happiness. And they teach their children, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Every, uh, I can't, I'm drawing a blank. They just teach their children how to respect and how to have a happy life. That's why I'm sure why they say Bhutan is the happiest country in the world. So morals, that's the word I'm looking for, morals. So um, I have photos of these classrooms that I wish that, you know, we would mirror and, and have in our classrooms out here because it was really quite beautiful. Yeah. One of the things that I always love about traveling and I, so I haven't done a solo trip, which is why I'm so fascinated by you <laughs> because there, I have so many like, oh, what if this goes wrong? You know, and, um, but the, I do love traveling because I feel like it broadens your mind. It broadens your perspective. It helps you mm -hmm. to see mm -hmm. the world in such a different way, especially when you travel outside of the country, right. And, and, and onto, mm -hmm. you know, and just see, you know, to even see like, like you're saying like different civilizations, like just see how other people live and realize that it's not, it's not just our way of life, the American way of life, right? Like there's like, there's so many other things that are going on in the world and just, I absolutely love that. So I'm so fascinated by all of your trips. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, let's get into a little bit of why of like, okay. one of the things I really wanted to bring you on to talk about was because I feel, you know, I, I want to travel solo. Um, but then there's also the like, oh, like what if something happens or what, you know, there's all those, like, I think fears sometimes around traveling solo, especially as a woman. And so, mm -hmm. um, I just want to talk a little bit about those. Like, have you, like, what are you, what have you found have been some of the challenges of traveling alone? Uh, okay. So first let me, um, uh, <laughs> let me assure you that when you travel alone, things will oh, go yeah. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, then you have no one to blame. You can't turn to your traveling partner and be like, you got us lost. <laughs> yeah. There's no misnomer about that. Um, Things don't go well all the time. I, the, the unexpected happens. I, I've been in the weirdest <laughs> situations at best. Uh, so it's it's learning to have a little bit of eyes in the back of your head. It's learning how to travel smart. It's learning how to have um, your wit about you, being making smart choices and still enjoying the experience. Uh, I definitely live um, on the wild side. I'm definitely an adventure traveler. I'm your bungee jumper, skydiver, whitewater rafter, uh, zorber, aerobatic <laughs> flyer. I, I, you, if if it's there to be done, I'm there to do it. And 
There's always risk involved in any of that. I've had some very, very close calls and dangerous accidents, especially from white water rafting. That one seems <laughs> I keep uh, doing it, but it seems to keep being, it's just not the smartest <laughs> thing in the world for me to be doing. I've done it once on the Kern River here in California and I was terrified. Like, and it was like, oh, cool. I think it was like in June one year. It was like, it wasn't clearly, it wasn't, you know, that dangerous, but I was terrified. So I can't even imagine. <laughs> well, I've had some serious flips. I've, um, yeah. I did some big flips on some fives in Zimbabwe. I, I had my worst was in rafting the Nile in Uganda on a five plus it's a guarantee oh. flip. I already knew that most everyone got out of the raft. Only two of us stayed in it for it. Uh, it was for my birthday and I was <laughs> determined to do it. And, uh, I I was pulled down river and underwater and almost didn't come. It was oh it, it was gosh. pretty terrifying. There's a story about it on my website actually. Okay, we'll have we're gonna have to link to that. I'm gonna link to that in the show notes. <laughs> well, that would be great. That'd be awesome. Uh, thank you. I um I crashed a car in South Africa, uh, <laughs> only to have them deliver a brand new car to me three hours later, which wow. I'll, I'll never understand. That that was the funniest thing in the world. Uh, that was right out, uh, right before riding an ostrich. Uh, so I, you know, just very... <laughs> you're like all in a day's work. I crashed this car and I then know. I hopped on an ostrich. <laughs> I, you know, I think sometimes when I speak, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people may not believe me, like because some of my stories are so friggin' far fetched. Even I have a I'm thinking they're all true. I had an experience in Papua New Guinea. This was very funny. I landed in Madang and I was uh, going to be flying up into the highlands to visit the Tari people and the Huli Wigmen. Uh, there's some very remote tribes in Papua New Guinea. And before I was going to be taking the boat along the Sepik River, uh, I ran into a gentleman who had landed. His name was Peter Barter at the time. Peter, if you ever hear this, I'm <laughs> forever grateful for the experience you gave me. We were chatting and I was just, you know, blogging or just starting to write. I wasn't doing much, but we got on very well. And he was about to take his helicopter to Karkar Island, uh, which I wouldn't have been able to get to. Uh, volcanic island. Mm. And I got in his helicopter and he flew me to car car while he had to do some work on his helicopter. And children were there waiting and grabbed my hand and took me to their school. And I got to go to the school in a very remote island. And then they took me to the local hospital where I got to go to the maternity ward and see the women on metal beds that were giving birth and having their babies and nursing them. And when we were done, uh, Mr. Barter took me back in his helicopter <laughs> and my boat had started along the Sepik and I was landed on the top of the boat. Oh my God. While it was going like, it was a movie scene. <laughs> it's one of those things that don't happen. Well, I think what I love about all of your stories and just the general thing is that like extraordinary things happen when you just like get outside of your comfort zone. Right. And you just like say yes mm -hmm. to things. Cause it's like, if someone's like, Hey, would you like to get on my helicopter? Like <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course I do. I love that. Yeah. I think if, if I were going to say anything to you or, you know, in speaking to let's talk women right now, you yeah. know, solo female travelers or anyone, uh, it's a matter of, being willing to take a little bit of risk. And like you said, it, it it is getting out of your comfort zone. It's finding out what your comfort zone is and finding out how far out of it are you willing to go. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, I, I don't, <laughs> I have no filters. I don't really have a lot of things that I will, I'll say no to, but I'm, I try and be wise, but I have put myself definitely in situations that I think most people probably would have, um, <laughs> excuse themselves from. Yeah. Uh, I mean, are there any safety precautions that you take when traveling? Yeah. I mean, there are safety products I may take. Mm -hmm. They have little door alarms you can take. You can carry, I mean, I carry pocket knife, of course, but you know, I don't, I mean, I would say that these things are not handy in my hands, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I travel with an incredible amount of faith yeah. and, uh, I just have trust in the experience. I've been fortunate. I, I have been sick. But I've really been very, very <laughs> lucky. Uh, well, I think that is so important. The attitude that you go in to an experience with, right, is so often what the experience winds up being. 
right? If you go in, like she was saying, like traveling with faith and that, you know, like, yes, this is going to be an adventure and you're going to be taken care of if something were to happen. Like, I think like going in with that attitude sets you up for success with any trip that you take. I think so. And I think it's like that with anything, isn't it? it yeah. When we go into our job each day, we don't know what might be held, you know, when I have a new client, you know, I take it on faith that I'm going to work with them well and the event is going to go off well. And um, you just hope that uh, there's mutual respect with everyone that you come in, you, you know, that yeah. crosses your path and, and hope it goes well. Obviously, this is an extended step of uh, a leap of faith. Uh, and for people that are nervous or afraid to do it, I would say a good way to start is to go somewhere very close to home by yourself. You know, I know a lot of people that don't go to dinner alone. Yes, I know. And I understand it. I, I don't knock it. I don't you know, I don't make fun and I don't, because I get it. Everyone has something they're comfortable with, okay. but I would start with that. Find something that maybe you're a little uncomfortable with. Go to a movie alone, go to an amusement park alone. That may sound crazy, but I'll tell you what, I've had a lot of fun at amusement <laughs> parks all over the world going alone. And I meet a lot of people to hang out with. Yeah. So, uh, it can be a weekend getaway, you know, for us here in LA, maybe it's going to La Jolla or, or San Diego or Santa Barbara, you know, Palm Springs, yeah, because they're they're close enough to home that you can come back if you need to. Another nice thing to do is maybe get on a train, take a train to San mm. Diego by yourself. Uh, trains are the minute I get on a train. I love train travel. The minute I get on a train, I'm, I feel like I'm on vacation. Yeah. I went to uh, San Diego with a girlfriend a few weeks or a couple of months ago, and you do feel like you're. I feel like I'm on vacation. So. Those are closer to home little adventures that you can have to start on your path to traveling solo. Pick something that maybe is an English speaking country. Anywhere in Europe is a good place to start. Uh, maybe a youth hostel, maybe a hotel, Airbnb. Uh, there are certain sites that I, I use to find locations for, for me to stay. But those are all good ways to, to get your foot in the door. People also are like, oh, I wish you could do it. And I hear that a lot. I wish I could do what you do. <laughs> and I, in my head, I think you can. Yeah. You just have to yeah, do it. You have to want and to, right? I, I So many people, same thing. I, I, I remember when I did a triathlon and there were a lot of people who said to me, oh, I could never do that. And I said, well, no, mm -hmm. you can do it, but you have to want to do it. Like you may not want to do it and that's totally fine. <laughs> But you can do it. You are right. capable of doing it, you know. Right. It takes training. And like, uh, that's funny you say that because I remember the first time I did mine, I just did a sprint. Mm -hmm. I did the Malibu sprint. Yeah. And and uh, it was, and I did it for team and training. And uh, it is an accomplishment. And it's yeah. something that I challenged myself because I'm not an athlete and I'm not a runner and I don't bike <laughs> and I don't swim in the ocean. So there I was doing all three. Yeah, I, and, I'm uh, in the same position. I was I, I like running and I like biking. I am so not a swimmer and definitely not like an open <laughs> water. And I did that same Malibu triathlon uh, for I think. Oh, I, cool. Yeah, I raised money for Children's Hospital Los Angeles. And same thing like that was terrifying and I remember being after it was done just being like almost in disbelief like I can't believe I did that like I never ever ever thought I could do that and it really was it's amazing feeling isn't it yeah and it it also makes you realize that so much of you know well just everything is mind over matter right like it's just your mind you just telling your mind yep we are doing this we can do this and because I know like as I was doing that do. as I was doing that swim I definitely was like okay just get to the next buoy <laughs> you can do it like <laughs> Yeah, I think I did most of the swim on my back. I oh, was backstroking yeah. it. Like, I, it was hard. <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah, I, I encourage people to to believe they can. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It doesn't have to be six and a half months in the South Pacific. I'm a little extreme with pretty much everything <laughs> I do. So I get that. I like the idea of starting with a day trip. Like that's like, okay, start a day trip, start a weekend away. Yeah. And kind of build up. Go, go to the beach alone. Mm. Go to the beach, you know, pack up your little stuff and, 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 and nobody's watching. You know, yeah. we're, we're all so worried what people think. And they're all so worried what people think of them that nobody's watching what we're doing. So, you know, it, it's, it's amazing how we psych ourselves out of, of our dreams. And I'm, I'm guilty of that all the time, you know, not having my, podcast and my 
YouTube channel. Yeah. I mean, I, I have it, but there's, you know, so much more I want to add to it. So I have my own blocks, but travel just for me, because it's so comfortable, that's not challenging to me. It's very funny. Like a smaller thing might be more challenging <laughs> for me than that. Well, speaking of comfort, like what are some of your like packing essentials? Like what are things that you take on like every trip? Your must haves. Okay. So I have a blow up footrest. Ooh. For the plane? I, I take it on. I Pardon? Is that for the airplane? Yeah. It's so the blow up foot cushion. Oh, I guess. Oh, see, now they have a whole bunch of them. So it used to be there was only one. Mm -hmm. And so now it would be very easy. You could just go Google it. And I take it on every long flight because it just makes my travel so much more comfortable for me. Uh, to have that footrest and it comes in handy when I'm hanging out in a room and I, you know, you're just putting your feet up. It's very comfortable. I take that on every long flight. Uh, I have, uh, it's, and I don't even know if they make it anymore, a travel halo. And it's the softest little, like you, instead of using an eye mask, you, it wraps around your head like a halo and it's a soft flap of um, fabric. It covers mm -hmm. your eyes and it's kind of like it blacks out a little bit and it's comfortable and it keeps like the cold air and germs from getting on you. So I take that oh. on every flight uh, and I have a little like my flight bag and I put it in is what's called a stadium bag. A stadium bag is like a see-through. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Call it a purse for bedroom. Yeah. And I keep all my essentials for my flight in there so I can see everything. And I That's have smart. my book and, you know, I'm, I mean, I've done this enough times, now, <laughs> but I'm not a light packer. Oh, really? So I'm not one who goes with a carry on. So yeah, that's not me. I'm a heavy packer. I could go with two suitcases. So, or two duffels. So, uh, I bring a lot of stuff to give away when I travel. So it usually emptying a bag so I can fill it with stuff that I buy because I, I shop a lot. So my apartment, my place is filled with beautiful, you know, just stuff from all over the world. I have a very ethnic looking apartment. I carry, what, what are some of the products that I, I have to think about that. Well, I love the blow up footrest. Like I've never heard of that before. And so I'm like, now I. Oh, they have foot slings. You can even get a foot Ooh. sling where you hang it on the back of the tray uh, that's in front of you. And it's a sling and it literally hangs your feet. Oh. Like under the seat in front of you, they and you can use them at your own desk at work, so your feet are like straight out <laughs> in front of you. And yeah, there's all oh sorts of gosh. fun stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, you know, Amazon is always great for that. And um, I'm I'm a Google person, so I live yeah. on that when I'm searching things. But um, and of course, I sh I show a lot of this stuff at my meetup because I, at my meetup group I have. Mm -hmm. a few travel meetup groups. May I, may I say them or? Of course. So, so well, one of my travel, well, first of all, my website is theworldtravel.com. So the world traveled is my name on every social media site. So on meetup, okay. it'll be meetup.com slash the world traveled. But even on there, like we'll do meetups and I'll just bring all like travel products. And I just show all these amazing products that, you know, people haven't yeah. heard of before. There's a YouTube video right there. Alisa, <laughs> you're just showing your products. That's a yes, podcast episode. That's I, a YouTube video. Well, you know, and I just bought Travel Talk 101. So I own the domain TravelTalk101.com. There you go. I know it's a perfect podcast name. And for, <laughs> maybe this is going to motivate me, Liz. Maybe this yes, is going to get me out of my comfort zone, you know, because... Yes. I uh, do the damn thing. I do, do the damn. I know. I love your name. Do the damn thing. That's like so amazing. Thank you. Uh, because I, it's something I dream of, and yeah. I just finished my first photo book, and it came out beautiful. I'm very excited about it. But it was just for me. Like I didn't. Yeah. I did it on Shutterfly, and it's not for publishing. But the people that have seen it are the response I'm getting is encouraging me, of course, to do something with it because yeah. I'm not a, phot a professional photographer, but I, I admit I've been luck uh, very lucky often. Uh, so Yeah. But also, I think it's just you're going to places that people don't usually get to go to. And so to be able to just capture that and, you know, and show that and share that with folks is so um, 
beneficial. Thank you. Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, right now I've, I've been writing a few more stories than I had been. Uh, my favorite is this one from Ethiopia, an experience I had, and that'll be my probably my first and primary story in this new book that I'm working on. And, you know, I hope I keep doing it so it's not just for me. And yeah, and uh, I do go to school. I go to UCLA and I'm taking a business certificate program with focus on marketing. And that's actually really helping me kind of also get out of my comfort zone because it makes me write about the world traveled in different ways than mm -hmm. I, you know, like as a business as opposed to a hobby. Yeah. So it's because I'd like to figure out how to market that for something. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Oh, well, it'll be, I'm excited to kind of watch you Thank watch you. it happen. I hope it does. Oh, there is. There's another product. I'll tell you. Um, yeah. It doesn't really. I don't know the actual name, but you can again, you can Google by description, but it's a neck scarf like a, a an infinity oh. scarf so when that you know it there it doesn't open at the ends yeah and it has zipper pockets in it so you can travel with Ooh. your passport and important credit card cash inside the scarf Ooh. and nobody would have any idea that's helpful mm -hmm. and then i use a leg belt all the time a leg belt is one of my favorite ways to carry money instead of a neck pouch or a waist pouch a uh, waistband mm. I wear it around my, um, it, you like you put it on your shins. You can't obviously can't do it if you're in shorts, okay. but, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's one of my favorite products. I keep one with cash and I keep one with, um, like credit cards and money, uh, or, uh, documents. So that's so uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> aging me. It used to keep my copies of my, uh, the checks, the, um, traveler. Yes. Checks. The travelers. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what I was just watching that was talking about traveler's checks. And I just thought, oh, this, gosh, what movie was it? Because my first thought was like, oh, this movie has not aged well. Like <laughs> there are people who are like, what the heck is a traveler's oh check? <laughs> there are so many things that are just so different. I mean, I remember back in the day when I was traveling, you know, if you wanted to call, you had phone cards. Oh, yeah. Like I even ran across them. I still have some of my old phone cards that still have time on them that I was taking to Europe and, and Asia and yeah. you know just it's a thing of the past my sister went on a um her first backpacking trip gosh I'm trying to remember it was when we were in college and she's definitely I think the more adventurous of the two of us about that and she I remember her being gone and my parents gave her like a um a phone card and you know this was before email like I want to date myself this was before email and we would get a postcard from her and then she had to call us I forget what day it was probably like Saturday afternoon Right. It was like we had a set time where she would call us and tell us where she was because she was gone, I think, most of the summer. And so it's just so funny that now everyone's always in contact all the time. But at the time, it was like, well, here's your, you know, don't lose your phone card funny. <laughs> and don't lose Isn't your traveler's check. I love that. You know, I will say yeah. that's one thing that I do when I travel is I, I do try and not keep in touch. Oh, OK, so. That's something that like, do you give somebody like, I mean, do you give someone your itinerary just so that they know where you are? And then you're just like off the grid. I, I will give my itinerary. I definitely do that. I give my flights to my friends here because God forbid, should something happen, it is nice to, you know, that they can, you know, know what's going on or where I was last. But, uh, I really yeah. do try and be present and I can't do that if I'm on a phone. Uh, I don't use a phone to take yeah. photos when I travel. Um, 90% of the time I take my cameras and that's important to me uh, because people, I think, you know, I see people miss stuff all the time because they're looking down. And when I'm traveling you, I have to look up. First of all, it's a safety thing. Yes. So, but you know, I don't want to go to a cafe in Paris and sit outside and watch the people. I mean, I want to sit outside and watch the people. I don't want to look down at my phone. So I just, that's something I do encourage people if they can to really make sure they're, um, you know, present in where they are. I found, I just, just took backtrack a bit and I'm sorry, a couple of travel products that I really no, want to no. give a shout out to. So <laughs> one of them is called Homing Pin and they've been a sponsor of mine. They, they send a lot of product and I give the, give them away at my meetup groups, but Homing Pin's awesome. You put these little stickers and labels on the back of all your like uh, electronic devices, your phone, your laptop, all of that kind of stuff. And it does take an honest person to find it, but they, it has a code on it and they can just email the code and then homing pin 
will be able to contact you to let you know where your devices are for you to get them. It's very, very neat way to track your stuff. Oh, wow. I really like them. And that's awesome. Go Girl is another one. It's a portable female urinal. Oh. Um, and so I love that. Yes. So if you're in the jungle <laughs> or you're camping or backpacking and uh, you can stand up like a man. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. See, I mean, that's one of the things that I think people as a like I hadn't even thought about that, but. I think those are challenges, right, that are definitely unique to women. And it's like, okay, you're going to be in these remote places. Yeah. And yeah. Like that's, that's yeah. Awesome. No, I love stuff like that. So I, there are just, I, there are a lot more on my website too, but there are certain things that I do really like. So I, I do carry those with me. So I know your next trip is um, to yeah. Central Asia, but what was the last trip you took? Okay. So it was just over a year ago. And so I went one way to England. I spent some time, I didn't know where I was going to go at any point, but I was in England. I went to Czech Republic. I flew to Italy. I went to Rome. Uh, I went to the Amalfi Coast. I went up to see uh, Mount Vesuvius. I climbed Mount Vesuvius, which is really not very hard. Uh, and then, I don't want to make it sound like, <laughs> wow, you climbed Mount Vesuvius. It sounds so extravagant. It's, it is really not that bad. Uh, but it sounds good. Uh, and yeah. then I volunteered for a month at the orphanage in Uganda. I was spent a month in Greece. That was really fun because Greece was high on my list. It was just one of those countries that I was hoping to get to, but I hadn't been when I was in Europe each time I went to Europe. So I finally went and I went in November and it's a wonderful time to go if you don't want to see any people. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the islands are closed. It's empty. You get the most amazing photos. And I'm going to give a shout out to Milos. That is the most beautiful island I could ever imagine going to. Milos mm. is fantastic. I did get to Santorini and I, you know, I did all the major ones, but Milos was really fantastic. So that was last. And then... Uh, I'm just, I'm going to Mexico for a, a week in January, just for my birthday, a little cruise uh, on a brand new carnival ship. Yeah. It's, it's not even sailed yet. It's in Italy right now. It's the uh, panorama. Oh, and wow. uh, so I'm going to be on that for a week. And then hopefully, you know, I'll be in uh, Asia, Central Asia, uh, exploring some yeah. very cool deserts. So, yeah. I mean, after going to all these different places, like, is there a location that's still on your bucket list? Oh my God. So many. Yeah. Uh, outside of Central Asia, because that's really up there, Mongolia, which I hope to do at the same time. I don't know if I'll have enough time, mm. but I really want to see Mongolia. I really want to go to Sri Lanka. Uh, that's when I really, really want to get to. Uh, I want to see Madagascar. Uh, that's on my list. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll laugh. I've never been to Hawaii. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah it's so i'm i'm so less of a tropical hangout chill person but i would love yeah. to go to big island to there's a couple of things i want to do there so i want to see the volcano on big island mm -hmm. and i want to do some cage shark diving Ooh, that uh, sounds terrifying i did that in south africa but we really didn't have luck we saw one great white after we got out of the water and he jumped out at the boat oh See, that's exactly when I want to see. I, that's when I want to see a shark is when I'm not in the water. I'm like, oh, good. And I'm the opposite. <laughs> oh I, I totally want to do that. But um, so, yeah, I mean, there are still destinations and I'm still, you know, I'm what, I'm 53. I'm still pretty adventurous. So when I go to Mexico, I've already signed up for it. There's this trip in um, Puerto Vallarta and it's like a six hour trip, day trip. And you do a shot over jet, like a speedboat. Uh, speed jet mm -hmm. and you do some like serious hardcore zip lining you repel down a waterfall wow and there's a fourth activity but I can't remember what it is so I'm looking forward to that uh the largest waterfall I ever repelled was in Uganda it was called Sippy Falls oh wow <laughs> it was such a story how I got there <laughs> but uh, I happened to I saw a picture in a mat and this is how I get my destinations this is how the process of how it happens I saw an, a picture in a magazine and it was like a dot next to this massive waterfall. And the dot was a human being. Mm. And I was like, I want that photo. Oh, my God. And I researched where it was. And I went. And unfortunately, the first year that I was in Uganda that I was supposed to do the repelling, 
it was the day after my whitewater rafting incident. And I was so shaken up, I couldn't do it the next day. So I went back the next year. And in between going, I was gone for a few months. I went, I spent a month in West Africa and was going to Israel for a month. And in between, I spent three days in Uganda just to drive up north to get to the waterfall, repel it and leave. Oh my gosh. There was not a tourist in sight. There were three young kids <laughs> that hooked me up and roped me up and sent me over the mountain. And I'm telling you, like, and I just kept saying to these guys, I have it on video, like, are you sure I'm connected? Are you sure I'm connected? Like, <laughs> it was me and them and nobody else. Like, there was nobody there. So wow. it, it was such a, a matter of that's where you have to have faith. <laughs> yes. Oh, 100%. <laughs> that was pretty cool, though. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Lisa, I could sit and listen to you tell stories about your travels all day. And so thank you so much for coming on. Cause honestly, you have inspired me to like, I've, I've been thinking about taking a solo trip. I think I'm going to take your advice and kind of do a local one first, uh, to get my feet wet, but I, um, yeah, I'm definitely been inspired. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate it. And I, I think you've inspired me too. I I really feel like, you know, I want to go work on this now. Yeah. I like, we've got our like mutual inspiration society Mm -hmm. here. (laughs) We definitely have to keep in touch and motivate each other to keep going. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you loved what you heard, please subscribe, share with your friends or leave a review on iTunes. As we grow the show, I would love to hear from you. What damn thing did you accomplish this week? Is there a topic you're dying for me to explore on the show? Be sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Do The Damn Thing Show and let me know. I can't wait to connect with you and hear all about the action you're taking in your life. In the meantime, get out there and do the damn thing. Do you like creepy stories? True crime? Cults? Dogs? Wait, that has nothing to do with it. Well, then you should listen to Undercover Coven. I'm Paula. I'm Ali. And Undercover Coven is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Come Come join join us. us.